Welcome to the Vintage Saints and Sinners podcast. I'm Karen Wright Marsh. Do you wonder if Christian faith can be truly lived in today's complex and changing world? Well, this is the place to find broken and beautiful companions for your everyday pilgrimage. Here, you'll find embodied witnesses, Christians from different eras and different cultures. They're people we sometimes call saints, but they were also sinners, just like you and me. Today, I'll be talking with my friend, Tim Seng, about how the old stories of saints can connect with young, religiously unaffiliated adults in surprising ways. I'm calling this episode, Saints for Nuns and Everyones. I'm glad you're here with us. Now I'd like to turn and welcome Tim Seng to join the conversation. Tim is the Pacific Area Director of Graduate and Faculty Ministries for InterVarsity Fellowship. He has been ordained in the American Baptist Church and pastored Asian immigrant churches. He has a PhD in the history of Christianity and lives on the West Coast. Tim, thank you for chatting with me today. Thank you. Glad to be here. I would like to talk to you about your work in the Bay Area. You know many young professors, scholars, graduate students, and um, I am interested to know when you talk with them about Christianity, about faith, about spirituality, what do you think draws them in to deeper conversations about faith? I think some of them, the folks I've spoken to, Karen, are uh, simply trying to find a vision for life that can sustain them. And in general, the kind of work that they do in academia or, or e- even in the marketplace is just so all-consuming that there's no time to even tend to their own personal uh, care. The expectations of in, a, in the business world as well as in academia can occupy so much of a person's time that there's no time to even just reflect and, 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 and smell the roses, so to speak. <laughs> So it sounds like it's those personal, the felt need, the personal needs that folks have. It's not so much the intellectual argument, but more the personal experience. Yeah. I I agree. I mean, there are times when we do have to discuss uh, philosophy or theology or even explaining uh, faith in a more intellectually rational way, but those conversations don't seem to be as important today, at least maybe maybe about 20 years ago or 30 years ago, there might have been more interest. But most of the younger people I know today really want to know how to live and how to, to find something in life that, that, that provides meaning and, and joy. Yeah, that rings true for me too. In my experience with undergraduates, there's still this um, perception that Christians are, when they think about actual Christians, or their image of Christians, they uh, hold the stereotype that Christians are judgmental, you know, hypocritical. They're responsible for slavery, for the Crusades. There's a whole litany throughout history. 
where the church has been guilty of so many crimes. So do you hear that as well? And what do you, how do you respond to that? Actually, I think it's true. <laughs> the church has been guilty of many of these uh, sins. And, and But at the same time, what I think is needed is to have a conversation about other aspects of of the church as well as and, and and I think in particular your book provides the richly textured vignettes of many Christian men and women who defied these stereotypes, who who really tried to capture uh, God's rede- redemptive vision for the world. So by weaving this very superbly nuanced collection. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it gives me as a historian delight, and I hope that huh. when I talk to 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 other um, young people, I could have an opportunity to talk about that. And I would use your book as, as sort of an opening, <laughs> as as opening conversation piece. So yes, I, and as a practicing believer myself, I I really appreciate the beautifully drawn sketches of these uh, these vintage sin, saints and sinners, and 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 how their lives testify to the reality that God can still transform people and the world for the better. Well, thank you for the shout out, Tim. I I did when I wrote the book, 25 stories, I thought I have 25 chances to really make a big mistake (laughs) in getting the history wrong. But I mean, I do feel even today, this, I say it's a stereotype, but there really are Christians Mm -hmm. who exclude and who hate and who do not, in my view, represent the spirit of Christ. Mm -hmm. Uh, And at the same time, there are stories of Christian believers who are welcoming and are loving. So there's always this big community, this big family of people who claim Christ and yet live in such different ways. Yeah, and I I think that that's one of the biggest challenges, but also perhaps a spiritual insight about um, what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We we, we are essentially living in a very complex community (laughs) And not everybody who goes to worship with us shares our opinion, our, our whether it's our, our politics, and some may even be just in, engaging in evil practices. But yeah. that still doesn't mean that we just simply <laughs> abandon and, and leave the, the church. I, I, at least in, that's my opinion. I think it, it'd be helpful to recognize the brokenness of the body of Christ, and at the same time, see through that brokenness that God does. Uh, work and can transform. Uh, and, and there are instances where God's um, transforming spirit is actually very present. And just sharing and talking about the lives of these saints who mm. are, were pro- are also sinners uh, can, really he- can really help. Well, tell me some of the stories that you tell. So when you're, we both have kids, adult mm-hmm. children, mm-hmm. when they start going on about the church or Christians, um, I don't know if yours do, but you know, that sort of negative view of the irrelevance of faith, let's say. What stories, what Christians do you hold up as examples of the spirit of Christ, the best of the spirit of Christ? So, so for example, when my kids ask me, um, why is it that certain churches, they, they teach that women should not be leaders in the church or should not be allowed to speak, then I would tell them, well, there are instances in which God did raise up really powerful women to lead the church. And one would be <laughs> Mabel Lee, a Chinese-American woman who came of age at the turn of the century. She grew up in the church. Her father was a pastor of the Chinese church in New York City's Chinatown. And um, she became a suffragist and yes. um, and really was an advocate for social justice. And then 
in her own life, she, uh, when she had an opportunity to go to China and, and take on positions of prestige, which she would not have had in the United States, despite earning her PhD at Columbia University, she stayed in the, in the United States to, to help her father's church after her father had tragically passed away. And then she devoted the rest of her life to uh, uplifting the children of immigrants, uh, poor Chinese communities, and devoting her life to leading. And she was actually the pastor of that little church. So she served as a pastor and as a community activist, uh, community leader. So she's an example of a believer who who, who broke the stereotypes. All the stereotypes. Just and about I, them I, all. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for, for mentioning the name of Mabel Lee. And I remember reading that she gave a speech on the right of women to vote. So she was a suffragist, very young. And when women received the right to vote, am I right? She still could not vote because of the exclusionary laws. That's right. She she was not allowed to become an American citizen. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What a great story. Who else? What are what are your, some some of your other uh, patron saints? Well, I would, and this is a, a very hotly debated topic among Christians too. Our ethnic churches are the churches of our parents that we grew up with often feel very stifling. And so one of the saints who taught me how to appreciate the ethnic context that I grew up in was uh, was a, a man who passed away a couple of years ago, uh, Dr. James Chuck. He was a Chinese pastor, or he was pastor of the First Chinese Baptist Church in San Francisco for over 40 years. So I think the mm-hmm. lesson I learned from him was that he, he started his ministry in a time when Chinese were segregated in San Francisco. And then by the time he passed away, things had changed and, and, uh, and, and Chinese Americans had become very prominent and had become more, more vocal and, and, and invisible. So what I think I learned from him was the importance of patience and, and steadfastness. As a pastor, he, he didn't grow up learning how to speak Chinese. He was actually like a this third generation American born, but he uh, taught himself how to speak and teach and write and preach in Chinese so that his church could reach the immigrants. And for the, all, the, all these years, he, 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 he made himself a person who could relate to the Chinese community. In the end, I think what he taught me the most was that there, when there are times when I want to escape my identity or my, my, my Chinese uh, uh, heritage, people like James remind me that it's a blessing to, to be given your particular uh, identity. And at times it's, it's, it's better to just learn how to live with it and, and embrace it. And yes, even though in critique it, but at the same time, um, yeah. not totally reject your roots. Yeah. And I think I love that you lift up his spirit of humility, of patience. You know, these are qualities that we know from the scriptures are spiritual virtues. And yet it really doesn't fit, I think, many times with the desires that we have for who we want to be That's right. in the world. I think I feel like these stories of saints, and again, I use the word saint so broadly, that label, really anyone who follows Jesus with a particular intensity. I find that there are so many stories of so many lives in so many places, and they exemplify so many different characteristics and so many challenges that there's a place for mm-hmm. me. You know, certainly there's someone out there who can um, help me in my current question or struggle or someone that I can follow. And I I love the variety of the people of faith. 
because they're, they're, you know, there's a story for all mm-hmm. of us there. There's a quote from Brother Lawrence in which he said, one does not become a saint all of a sudden, which is an <laughs> understatement. But how, how would I become a saint? What is the path to sainthood, do you think, if I just wanted to get started? <laughs> oh, I, I suppose it would be to be captured and captivated by a particular vision of, of, of God and his purpose for us. And mm. just trying to follow through. It, it seems like all the saints that I know had a particular uh, vision, and and they just attempted to walk along that path to pursue that vision in different ways. So maybe I can just share an example of Paul Nagano, yeah. who was Japanese American American Baptist uh, leader who passed away this this summer. He grew up in a very theologically conservative context uh, in the Japanese Baptist Church and was one of the founders of the Japanese Evangelical Missionary Society in back in the 1950s right after the Japanese American uh, internment camps and he was so he would be considered one of the architects of rebuilding the Japanese American Christian community uh, after World War II but his journey centered on realizing that God's love is really for everyone the powerful uh, message of the gospel is was fundamentally about love, and he pursued that vision through his his time. Uh, he he went on to earn a doctorate from Claremont School of Theology and became uh, one of the most powerful uh, American Baptist advocates for Asian Americans. So, but even as an activist for Asian American voice within the denomination, what was inescapable was his his focus on being a loving person in the midst of conflicts over the rights in, in power, yeah. he, he would constantly emphasize that we were one in Christ, we were, and God loves all of us, regardless of our race. And even though he was advocating for more voice, a greater voice for those of us who are, had not traditionally given that, he just oozed love all the time, and he talked about it all the time. Mm-hmm. So he was an, an example of someone who I think uh, followed through on on this vision that he that captivated him, and it, it, you can see it in his writings and his sermons, and everything he does. It all it all centers around this inclusive love of Christ. And what an amazing witness, especially to a community who had suffered in internment camps in America. You know what a cause for resentment and hatred and pain. Uh, to speak about love in that context. That really, wow. That's really what amazed me because I, I certainly harbor bitterness for little slights that I have, <laughs> that have experienced over my life. <laughs> but with Paul, I just could not see any of that despite all the hardship that he experienced. I mean, he was also chastised by more conservative Christians and beaten up, <laughs> at least um, you know, verbally. So to, to his dying day, he, he exhibited this incredibly inclusive love. Well, I look forward to learning more about Paul Nagano. And again, I think this idea of the message that he preached, certainly the the biblical dogma doctrine that he taught as a faithful Christian, that was surpassed by his attitude of love and his example. And um, for me, what I see in young adults today and in all of us is this yearning for a way to live, as you said, a way to be the, the qualities that make for a good life, for a healthy human experience, for relationships, for all those things that we crave so deeply to see it 
lived out in a person of faith. To me, that is, you know, that's what I want out of a saint, someone that I could follow, someone that I really want to be like. Amen. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) End of sermon. Well, is there any anything else that you're thinking of right now, Tim, that you'd like to talk well, about? Well, I guess one maybe as one last thing is that as I'm thinking about young adults, especially those who are unaffiliated and, and who want to be spiritual but not religious, I think for this group, I feel like they're looking for, searching for alternatives or nuances to the Christianity that they grew up with or, or, or the Christianity that's being portrayed in, in the media today. And... Yes. My hope is that um, we can turn to look back to our history to Europe as one place where we can see that. And certainly your book has provided some instances. But I am also hoping that we'll we'll see um, a new generation or a new older generation of uh, of Christians Mm -hmm. who who come from this emerging global Christian context and multiracial context who get to have a chance to to be seen as uh, as 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 uh, models for. And I, I'm not sure I should use the word role models, but as, but as as potential saints for for the next generation to follow, and I think they would definitely portray a Christianity that's different than what's being stereotyped today. So that's my hope and prayer as well. Amen to that, Tim. Thank you for um, sharing your experience and your life with me. It's been a real joy to um, spend time with you today. Likewise, Karen, and best wishes to you as well. talk about the Christians that we call saints, it's tempting to dismiss them as too ancient, too alien, too holy. They were so deeply devoted to God, I could never be like that, I think. And the worlds, the cultures they inhabited were so very different from mine. How could they possibly understand my struggles and concerns? I'm delighted that you could listen in on my conversation with Tim Seng as we explored the unexpected wisdom whom we find among the saints, as we discovered that they really are saints for nuns and everyone's. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Karen Wright Marsh, and I'm the Executive Director of Theological Horizons, a ministry based in Charlottesville the University of Virginia. I'd love to hear from you. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Theological Horizons. Come by my website, KarenWrightMarsh.com. You'll find out more about the Vintage Saints and Sinners podcast, get show notes, and learn about my book, Vintage Saints and Sinners. You can download free printable study guides for your small group or just for yourself and keep the conversation going. Thanks to the generosity of the Lloyd and Vivian Noble Foundation and to the Friends of Theological Horizons. I hope you'll support the Vintage Saints and Sinners podcast with a tax-deductible gift to Theological Horizons. Go to theologicalhorizons.org slash giving or donate on Venmo at theological-horizons. The Vintage Saints and Sinners podcast is produced by Gabriel Hunter Chang. Our music is by Will Marsh of Gold Connection.